What's up? This is Steve Hayes. And I'm Jeff Fedge Boyd. And this is the Papa Fedge Archive Project. If these old walls could speak of things that they remember well, stories and faces dearly held, here's someone who really loves you. Today, we're going to take you from zero to 56 in 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> zero Remember? to 56 years. Now, that, that's a pretty good pace, I guess. In no, 20, I think about yeah, it. That, I, guess, I guess so, because, you know, back in the day, I remember when it was, you know, we could go with the Porsches or whatever would go from zero to 60 in five, six seconds. Now, I mean, it's like, like that. So to go from zero to 56 in 20 or 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, zero to fifty-six MPH. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not. Yeah, that's probably like my uh, first car, seventy-nine AMC Concorde. Yes, that would uh, an AMC Concorde. Yeah, I forgot. Um, would definitely go from zero to fifty-six in twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, it's been forever since I even thought about that. Uh, the thing about AMCs, Concorde was one of the better looking. AMC's and it still was ugly. Yeah, if it, if it said AMC, you, I, I don't even know how they existed because all their stuff was like it wasn't like any other car from back in the day. Um, oh, but, zero a, to fifty six in twenty minutes. That's that's just about right. But we were obviously we're talking about Papa Fedge here. You're right. fifty six years old now, and the first session we talked about what is the Papa Fedge archive project. If you haven't watched it yet, back up a, a video and, and watch that. But this one, I thought we would talk about who is. Papa Fetch. Yeah, we're going to attempt to um, bring the audience, whoever happens to see this, and eventually my future generations will yeah. be tuning in and just give a, I don't know, like a framework of from the time I was born till what brought me yeah. to sitting here with you today. Because we can go in, before we can go any further, you really need to know your history because we are a product of... Part of who we are is what has happened to us or what we've gone through, the difficult times, the, the good times, all that type of stuff. So let's dive right into, you know, let's start at zero, Fedge. Okay. And, and again, our goal is to not, is to go at a pace. We don't get too bogged down in details, but we don't, we don't go so fast that people don't uh, recognize later on. Right. Uh, some uh, semblance of memory. Oh, yeah, I think he mentioned something to do with that period of his life. So right. let's give it a run. See what, let's do it. Uh, shake the tree and see what falls out. All but, right. Um, so I was born in December 1964. Warsaw, Indiana is my birthplace. You were born in Warsaw. I was. You were born, you were born in Warsaw, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that had been cool to say. I was born hey, in it's, Warsaw. It's, and it's like, contrast right there, right? Yeah, from the yeah beginning. I bet you were born in <laughs> Warsaw, Indiana. I didn't know there was such a place. So small yeah. town, I imagine. Yeah, north of Indianapolis, I think maybe uh, two and a half hours, maybe a little bit. To how the, big was the town? To the east, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Small, F- few thousand. No, okay. a little bigger than the okay. other towns that are coming up. But All right. So um, I was the youngest of five kids. And we, from, from the time I was born till we moved to South Dakota, I was first grade, seven years and a month. We moved to here on South Dakota, 72 January, uh, late January of 72 as a first grader. And six times we moved. So by the time you were in six, in, 
By the time you're seven years old, you had already moved six times. Right. We've lived si- we we lived six places. I guess that would mean f- I moved five times. Okay. And then so the seventh place that I lived or the sixth move wow. was over to South Do you Dakota. remember much of that or were you too young? Uh, no, I have memories from three, three years old on. Was that um, difficult to move so many times as a kid? Well, the towns are really close. Okay. Uh, Converse, Sims, and Swayze are like three... Two, three, or four miles apart okay. from each other, and that's a little closer. That's between the towns of those three towns are between Kokomo and Marion. I think Marion and Kokomo are way vice down, versa. way down in Kokomo, way down in Kokomo, way down, in way, way down by Kokomo, Indiana, <laughs> Warsaw, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you have to know the song, but yeah. So that's probably an example of what we're trying to stay away from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um. Maybe an hour from Indianapolis. Those were out of, outside of okay. Carmel, the north side of Indianapolis. Okay. So uh, farther south. So than, now we're at seven Warsaw. years old. Yeah, none of those towns are fine. And the move-in wasn't too rough on me. They were close by each other and all that. And so we find ourselves moving. Our family moves to um, South Dakota, here on South Dakota. And they're um, there till I graduate in 1983. Wow. So... You move the inverse. Set, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That so from first grade to twelfth grade, you got to stay in the same school system. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, pretty cohesive. Um, in 1975, my parents divorced, um, and I'll probably save more details about that for later uh, episodes. But um, what came out of that most significantly for this project is my name. Um, my Fedge, not your name, Jeff. Right. Uh, everyone calls you Fedge that knows you, but your name is actually Jeff. Right. A birth name is Jeffrey Stan Boyd, but I, I, I swapped out the Stan for Fedge in quotations, like a okay. nickname people you hear. So how did you get the name Fedge? Well, um, after after the divorce, my dad remarried, and we stayed in Huron with my dad and and stepmom, and two new siblings came to our family: Jeff and Jody. Stepbrother Jeff, three years older. And so the decision was made up upstream somewhere, one of the levels of management <laughs> hierarchy um, to solve that problem of two Jeffs. Uh, we it was decided to spell my name backwards and Which call me Fedge. perfect for you because you kind of see things from the, like Dr. Seuss says, from the wrong end of a telescope. If anyone were f- switch the name around backwards other than me, I, you know, you, so you actually, I mean, that's a pretty big move. You, there's two Jeffs, and you said that you would be the one. Well, they said that I would be the one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say that I was chivalrous, but I was happy. It was good. Okay. It's like uh, I only needed the one name. I felt like I was Cher. I just needed the one name. From the, the duo Sonny and Cher, you're saying, right, back like, in the 70s. It wasn't. You didn't ever go. It was Sonny Bono you don't even, and Cher. Cher. We didn't even know what her last name. We just called her Cher. And you're, you're, you've become Fedge. Yeah. Okay. So that was... Um, that was just fine. That's how it worked out, and and that kind of became my what people called me. Um, so graduation came, 1983. I headed off to college in Minneapolis for one year. After that, during that year, my parents, my stepmom and dad, moved from Huron to Sioux Falls. So summer of 84, I joined them there. And uh, for the, yeah, from 84 to 1989, I swung between... Sioux Falls and Brookings. Okay. I um, took my third and fourth swing at college in Brookings. 
<laughs> during 86, 7, 8, and 9. And uh, so I I spent some time living there, and, but I went back and forth quite a bit. Went to church in Sioux Falls and, and lived in Brookings, uh, 87 through 89. I actually had a trailer house there. Uh, but in the area of Sioux Falls, Brookings, for those five years. In 1985, I... Joined the. I went to boot camp in the Navy. It, uh, initially entered as a reservist, and I was a reservist for around four years. And seeing if I can think of anything else that I need to touch on during those five years, I think that's probably pretty good for the purposes of this episode. And in '89, then very significantly a part of my life, I decided to go active duty in the Navy. And again, I mostly because I just wasn't um, I wasn't staying true to my college form, I guess. I just would have good good semesters and bad semesters, and the bad semesters seemed outstacked, the good ones. and Okay. So is that why you tried several times for college, because you had some bad semesters and you kind of... Yeah, I tried at uh, North Central Bible College in Minneapolis that first year, and then I came back, and that fall I went to National College of Business, and that didn't seem to resonate with me. Like, I didn't do particularly well. Uh, I, it's, I didn't apply myself. There was no, no other reason. So then I'm in the reserves, and that that part's going just fine, and I take another stab in the fall of 86 at college for the third time, and then, <laughs> and then I bottomed out one more time in between there. And so when the spring of 89 came, I basically came to the conclusion i looked back so i was coming up well i was 24 i turned 24 in in uh yeah that that winter of 88 going into 89 and i uh, so that spring maybe late winter early spring of 89 i just was looking back over my life as a 24 year old and i just wasn't impressed and the one thing that seemed consistent enough with me was that was my navy my four coming up on four years of time in the reserves and uh, my progression in the Navy was more than satisfactory and three trips to the Philippines. We had just a lot of cool stuff and met a lot of cool people. And I mean, the people I drilled with and all of that was so I just thought, well, you know, if I go and join the Navy full time, 20 years are done. I'll have something. It's not really kind of what I'd planned as maybe a 16 or 18 year old person, but it's what I felt I had to work with. And I just made the decision to go do that. And so that decision found me out on the East coast, um, eventually, uh, stationed upon, upon the USS von Steuben. For real, there was a ship called the USS von Steuben. For yeah. real, <laughs> uh, uh, a submarine, a boat, a yeah. submarine. Yeah, yeah, your submarine is that another podcast? Are you going to, I mean, another episode? Well, you gonna- uh, we, we can stick a toe in there. It was, I mean, it was a it was a nuclear submarine, correct? Yeah. It kind of speaks for itself. Von like you've Steuben. seen movie, yeah, I've seen movies, and <laughs> right. But, it, but I would think von Steuben would be a submarine for the the enemy, not yeah. for the United States. But okay, so you're on the von. I'm sorry, I'm I'm digressing here. Right. So you're on the von Steuben, a, a nuclear sub, um, and we're I I, I want to make sure that we have an episode where I just talk to you about that because you have so many stories about your time on that submarine. So you're on that submarine. Von Steuben. Yeah, and that's where that's where it was in out of Charleston, like I said, and and that was just a interesting life. I think, like I was starting to say, the movies they they depict it 
I think accurately enough that people okay. get an idea what what things what what was all about living under there. But um, so quite prematurely uh, in the fall. Well, by by um, the spring of 1991, I was out of the Navy, and the reason I was out of the Navy is I had been diagnosed with bipolar. Wow. Which um, most most all of my doctors since then, and, and at that time, we kind of tagged it back to my freshman year in college in, wow. in the fall of 83. Which that is it, why you had problems in school. Well, it's, it's a contributing factor anyway. for sure. And I can't imagine being on a submarine under the water for that long with bipolar. I mean, that must have been, you're quite the guy to be able to go through that, man. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Well, um, thank you. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know. I haven't thought about that, I guess, um, specifically if I have, it's been a long time. Um, what comes to mind is it's challenging anyway, you know, right? like, but I do now, um, I do now recall my first patrol. I got there, and we had a couple of weeks before we got out, and I had one. I was a storekeeper, so in the supply division, there wasn't many of us, uh, just the supply officer, one myself, and one other petty officer in between us, or two, two I think. So four people in our whole, whole uh, division or department there, supply department. And so I got to know this guy. He was a couple of clicks ahead of me in rank, uh, one anyway, and maybe uh, three, four weeks into the first patrol, he said to me, I notice sometimes you're like dialed in, chipper, happy or whatever, and then other times not, right? And maybe, maybe it was sometime in that first patrol. Now thinking back, it might have been a couple months in, but he had, he was just a quiet guy, not, not much older, about my same age or even younger because I kind of lollygagged. He kind of went to high school and went right into the Navy. So he was probably even a little younger Which than me. Which would fit into the whole, in school, you would have some semesters where you were just sharp and they were great semesters. And then a semester later or a month later, you're struggling in school, wondering why you're struggling. Yeah. So as we go through this project, that that's just like seasoning. Like it's just impossible to, that's like salt and pepper or whatever. There's just... You can't separate it from the recipe, in other words. It's part of who you are. I can't do anything about it. So what I can do is describe what it feels like and where, where I think it might have helped me and where I think it might have hurt me, and it, it's just... I love that. So a lot of people would look at that as only negative, but you come out and say, because that's the kind of person you are from how I know you, but you know, you're talking about bipolar here, and then you're saying, but there's ways that it actually helped you, and I think that that's like fantastic. We'll talk more about that yeah. down the road. But yeah. So anyway, you're on the Von Steuben... Uh, nuclear submarine. Yep. So that diagnosis comes. So I'm out then discharged in the spring of 91. And so I decide I'm going to, I stayed in Charleston another year. I ended up, I didn't move till the next, next year, January of 92. We'll get to that. But I decided to record an album. Really? A musical album? Yeah. I, I, I should have brought it with me. I have it in the next room over there, but yeah, I, um, had written some songs when I was younger and found a cool heart recording studio down in downtown Charleston. And, Very cool. Um, you know, I had the time, you know. Right, <laughs> right. I don't know if you know that. I always bring up this What About Bob movie, you know. Yeah. Hey, I'm living in Winnipesaukee, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was have like, the time. I'm in Charleston. Yeah. There's a studio. <laughs> and I got the songs. I have the songs. 
And so um, I did that, and I traveled then once I got that done for very cool eight or ten months in, singing in churches and any, any place that would have me. I made a couple trips back to mostly from South Carolina to South Dakota, and I did that a couple times. Okay. So uh, that's an interesting thing. That'll definitely that. There's a couple of stories in there that right. I want to talk about eventually. So that brings us to 92. Interestingly, the last week of January. 20 years to the exact week that my family moved there as a child, I moved back to here on South Dakota. Wow. Interesting. Of, of 92. And so there I stay until 2001. Okay. okay. And so there's quite a bit of stuff we need to need to cover on those years. But um, starting in 92, um, I'm elected to the city commission. Really? In 1994. Wow. April something, 12th, something like that. So you're a city commissioner. To a five-year term. Okay. Yeah, I was 29, so I'm the youngest. City commissioner that ever. Wow. And I hadn't really necessarily planned to win. What happened was I got to, so I got to Huron in January of 92, so I had to finish that winter out. Then I had the winter of 93. Then I had the winter of 94. And there was really no place to really there was no gym to go to to work out and stuff. And when I was a kid, we went to the college gym. Like my dad would get us a like some membership there. We got to swim there a couple nights a week and 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 go play basketball and stuff like that. So that building had been condemned. Uh it was just got old and they inspected it one time and it that didn't go well. So they, that wasn't available. The school system didn't allow us to go play basketball or use the weight rooms for whatever reason, the general public. I mean, and so we're kind of at the mercy of some couple of small gyms and the winter gets long and I'm coming and cold (laughs) and I'm coming from Charleston where there's gyms when you don't even need them. Really? I mean, it, it gets down to 40 or 50, a couple, couple weeks a year there, but I was used to the good life. Yeah. You're on. It gets down to 40, 50 below zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While I was in the Navy, the Navy or the Air Force Base there. You in probably could work out there all you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. So it was really culture shock. So I've been tiptoeing around about that topic and not really getting anywhere over those years. So finally, I decide before the winter of 94, I'm running for the city commission. And I didn't really didn't dawn on me that I possibly could win necessarily. <laughs> I just wanted to elevate that topic. Okay. Up into the getting people's stream. right. Okay. Gotcha. And try to get other people that had, could do more about it than me thinking about it. Thinking someone else would make the difference. Not you. You just wanted to bring it up in front of the, okay. yeah. Well, that was a big enough difference for me. If yeah. Get, right. I didn't care if it was me that did it. Right. I want to try to get it to the attention of the people that could do something about it. Okay. Anyway, because otherwise I was like, I can't, I don't know how many more winners I can take. <laughs> and so um, interesting thing is, it, as it turns out, I ended up running, I kind of won by the parole factor. I ended up with just a few votes short of 47%, but I ran against two guys that were virtually, virtually the same age, both 68 and 69 or both 69 or something like that. One was the editor of the newspaper and the other one was a county official. Okay. And um, the county official jumped in. I jumped in in like November the year before, and he he jumped in at a normal time like f- February or January or something. And then the editor of the newspaper, he jumped in on the last day. Really? Yeah, the very last day. 
Of before the election or before, before you could possibly yeah, run? Yeah, okay. the last day the petitions could be turned okay. in. And so um, that wasn't a, later on, that wasn't a good move for him because I really beat him up on the campaign trail about it. Like I said during the campaign, I, 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 joined, I signed up in November, and I would say, I'm 29, that's a little overkill. You know, like that's, that's probably a little too early. Nonetheless, that's how long I'd been thinking about it. And then I said, Mel, the other guy, the county official, he signed up in February or whatever. That's probably normal. But I said, Ro- Roger, the last day, like, it's an afterthought. You know, he's like, and anyway, it, it was one of those things that I just picked up on and seemed to help a little bit. And anyway... Point being is, I doubt I would have been able to beat um, Roger, the editor of the newspaper, head-to-head. I, I doubt it would have been really hard. But that parole factor, how they split the votes, and I think Mel got uh, maybe 16%, and it just didn't leave enough enough left. So here I am, 29 years old. City commissioner. In my hometown, and I got in so much trouble. I got kicked out of the pool when I was a kid. I got arrested twice. And now I can just walk through you that. You were arrested. Yeah, as a juvenile. I told you he's got a lot of stories. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just biting my tongue. One was. Because um, I want to know about all these things, but I know they're going to be coming up in later episodes. Right now, we just want to get from zero to 56 in 20 we're minutes. We're trying to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, one was attempted arson on a brick building. <laughs> you're not helping me to I not ask you the question. <laughs> now you're even piquing my curiosity anymore. And one was just garden variety uh, toilet papering. So that was you got you got a, put in jail because you're toilet paper. No, just arrested. Arrested for no, toilet papering somebody. Yeah, yeah, Welcome to here on the junior high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now you're city commissioner. Yeah, I'm just I'm just pointing out, uh, you know, lawbreaker to lawmaker or whatever. It was. Oh, that's good. I like that. But it was a very significant. What I'm. What is back to on track? If we have even have a track, or <laughs> maybe it's so wide we can't get off. Right. Of it, but. It was a very one of the more significant occurrences in my life because I was just working a entry level position at the time, but uh, that that victory made me the, the way I viewed myself completely changed. Wow! Before I was a four time college dropout working at some entry level, but now I'm a city commissioner. Wow! And so, um. That kind of what that kind of motivated me in in the realm of getting married. I don't know that I would have been felt worthy, quote worthy to be married, wow. and take on the responsibility of another human being. Wow. But with that addition, with that victory, I didn't have any problem with it. I felt, wow. you know, just fine. So then I did, and I was married in January of 1995, and my my oldest daughter. Um, was four and a half at the time, Marcy. And then we had um, Joanna April in April of 96, not very long after we got married. And then Tasha in 2000, my youngest daughter. And so during those years, what happened was the college got sold from, it was owned at that time when I first got back to town by a Japanese company, and it got sold to Colorado Technical University Systems or campuses out of Colorado Springs, maybe some town in Colorado, obviously. And they put out that anybody could go to college there for half price if they were related to an alumni. They called it the Legacy Scholarship. Oddly okay. enough, all right. We've been kicking that word around a little bit yeah. between the two of us, and 
so I come home one day and um, my um, Marcia, my former wife, said, you're going back to college. I said, I am. She said, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the fall of 97, for the fifth time, wow, I suited back up. And uh, did you go reluctantly kicking and screaming? Was there some insecurity there because you tried it four times already well, or I what? Felt like, um, I felt a little bit like Popeye in this one episode. He went to school and he, he didn't know enough and he ended up in kindergarten desk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Like uh, what do you call non-traditional, right? Like uh-huh. I definitely felt non-tread uh-huh. for sure. So uh, size wise, I fit in and all that sort of thing. And it was kind of funny. Like I was taking bowling that year uh, later on in one of those first or second semesters and the bo- I'm bowling and one of my classmates goes, that's pretty good for a commissioner or, you know, a commissioner should know how to bowl better than that. And my, my instructor said, what do you mean commissioner? And, she, and a friend said, oh, he's a city commissioner. And I, he didn't believe me. Like I had to go, <laughs> I had to go show him like, no, I'm going to college and I'm city commissioner. And, so it was a little weird like that, but it was pretty, um, I didn't really have a choice t- to be truthful, Steve. It was going to happen whether I went, went or not. So it yeah. was fairly right up the middle. I wasn't terribly excited about it, but I didn't go, I didn't resent it. could say that. I have to, ha- I, I have to hand it to you to, that's pretty noble, pretty big of you to go, you know, your wife wants you to go. And so you do it even after you've already been four times, you've tried it for you to hit it again. That says a little bit about your character, honestly. Well, I appreciate that too, Steve. I guess that's a theme too. I'm going to be appreciating things. It <laughs> sounds like, but um, anyway, uh, 99 in the spring, I graduate with an HRM degree, and in uh, I think it might have been February. Uh, seven quarters later, I have a master MBA, master's. Wow, good for you! Congratulations. So thank you. So those were significant. Um, occurrences 2001 that happened and then um 2001 later in that year we moved to rochester minnesota then well iota the rochester area okay the family moves over there i take a job over there after i've got that i got because wouldn't have gotten i don't think without my schooling okay and i was out of office by then i didn't i didn't run again in 99 when my term was up so that was that right about the time i was done with college that finished itself up so that brings us to Rochester area, and we stay there until 2013. And um, most of my jobs that were in the HR area, and I think I'll I think I'll just leave that. We'll fill that in later too, because I don't know if we can get back out of out of some of those years um, like that. Some of the things we've talked about has been like a zero entry pool but i think those years are more like the, the minimum is five feet deep or something so so there, there's a lot more to that to unpack yeah and it's harder to okay. it's harder to get ourselves might be hard to get ourselves yeah. back out of that right. so um so we stay there and most of the jobs are in the hr field that kind of stuff and we stay there until 2013 at which time we moved back to aberdeen south dakota and that's in my um uh, my wife at the time, uh, her, her stomping grounds, her, where her family is from. And, uh, just more, the young, Tosh, the youngest daughter was there with us. The other two, uh, Joanna came for a little bit and went right, finished up school real quick and went back. So that was mostly, um, my youngest daughter 
the kid, though, like my oldest daughter didn't come with us. Like inevitably though, kids grow. And as you move places, you have less in those ages than your like your whole family staying together forever. <laughs> so, um, so we made it over to there. Uh, and then 2018, and that kind of brings us up getting pretty close. Uh, 2018, um, uh, marriage ended it was the year i got divorced and um so that for sure is gonna have to be handled pretty pretty separately in a format kind of designed for itself but how that kind of relates to me sitting here right now i've kind of been a nomad here these last three years i was in april of 2018 that 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 went down is quite sudden and and um as people learn more about me if they don't know now or as we talk about the the whole point of the project is future generations i'll get into i want i want grandsons and great-grandsons and great-great-grandsons and beyond to know um enough about me so that they know impacts of things that happen why why things some things may not have bothered me at all that might have bothered other people and other things that take place it took place in my life why they were as challenging as they were yeah. all the different aspects and things. So there won't be any shortage of that. But what I've been kind of, like I say, nomadic in the sense that, uh, right when that went down, I went to Florida for a while. First I came to Ro- went from Aberdeen to Rochester for a little bit, then to Florida and back to Rochester and then, then to Aberdeen. And now currently I'm splitting my time between the two. I, uh, all three of the girls and the two grandsons live in Roch, and then I have the, still have the home. And you would say, would you say that because of the divorce, that's kind of what pushed you towards the more nomadic traveling all over the place? Yeah, you know, I don't know if three, in one respect, three years from something like that seems a long time, and then other times it seems like I'm just, I'm just like a chick popping out of the egg. I still got yeah. shell all over the my yeah. tail feathers still you right kind of right. depends on it's a big thing man yeah and especially for me it's just uh it's just uh achilles heel uh for whatever of yeah of the the way that i'm designed and then my experiences environment upbringing all those kind of things those two main components maybe could throw in the way i see the world so to speak value system all those together really i mean it was it's a challenge of a lifetime for me but also we wouldn't be sitting here right we're we're going to get heavy into the concept of when things happen what things are able to happen because that happened and we for sure wouldn't be it probably wouldn't be appropriate but for sure i wouldn't have thought of the idea if that hadn't happened we wouldn't be sitting here talking i wouldn't I doubt that I would have had the f- mind-spaced freedom or free space in my mind yeah. to come up with, hey, I think I would like to do and this. I, and I'm picturing my mind, one of your great-great-great-grandchildren watching this at this moment, you know, watching it. And if it wasn't for that tragic moment, the traumatic, actually, honestly, quite traumatic moment in your life, um, they wouldn't be hearing who you are and wouldn't be learning from you and all the stuff wouldn't be happening if that didn't happen. And I, I, I just, I have to honor you that I think it's pretty amazing that you went through something traumatic like that. And most people, 
particularly men, honestly, I think most of us would just we hold that close to the chest. We don't want anyone to know. Uh, obviously, they know what happened to us, but we don't want to know how it made us feel. And yet you're coming to this whole project wide open, just saying with your vulnerability, with your heart and, and the pain and hurt, because you want to use that to help somebody else. And I think that that is I think it's very noble and I think it says a lot about you. And so. I would never wish that upon anybody but what you went through, but I'm really proud of you for how life isn't always about what happens to us as much as how we respond to what happens to us. Yeah, for sure. And in it's a bit of a dichotomy, but I feel like, uh, well, this isn't a dichotomy, this part that I have a sense that I want people to know me, right? Most, I think the vast majority don't, oh, but I'm like, no, uh, let's go ahead and be known, right? That not only doesn't bother me, I feel like I want, I want that most, most of all, I want these guys like uh, when, when someone's pointing at my picture and that person pointing at it is pointing at their great, 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 great grandfather, Papa Fedge, quadruple, quadruple great Papa Fedge, which is Alpheus King Boyd. That when Aiden, my grandson points at Alpheus King Boyd, that's four greats in there. So when someone's pointing at my picture, I want that. I would like that. For some reason, it it feels compelling to me to have that. But as a person, I f- I hope that there's no one else exactly like me. I wouldn't wish <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on someone. <laughs> but I feel like I carry. I bet I'm going to go out on a limb and say components of me are in every other human being. At least a lot of the pain, a lot of the things that you've gone through, we're a lot more like each other than we think that we are. And we, I think when we admit that, we accept each other more and we, we get along in life more instead of, instead of stereotyping people and saying, well, you're one of those people, you're one of those people, or I'm not like that person. But truth is, all human beings know what suffering is, uh, we know what love is, we know what... And I just, I just think this project, the the Papa Fedge Archive Project, is such a cool thing. So, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to say. I just wanted to thank you from for giving us being vulnerable and giving us the last 56 years of your life in a nutshell, so we can go from there and start diving into some of these things and some of the fun stories as yeah. well. Yeah, and the next one, I think, next couple that we have in mind, th- this is leaving off in a good spot. The the We've talked a little bit about are they going to be heavy or light, and the next couple will probably be a little heavy, you know. And then we'll kick, then we'll then we'll really. But there's always going to be an ebb and flow, how yeah. you say. There's, you're always going to. We're always going to. You're yeah. funny. You've got a lot of fun stuff in your life, and you've got a good, you got good outlook on how you how you look at life, and so yeah, and yeah, I, and again, I hope that in the episodes people are able to look at maybe not every episode, but go. I felt like that. I've I've been there, you know. Like to relate just on one human being to another. Yeah. And for some reason that not only isn't scary, it's comforting. And maybe that right there shows how yeah. go- shows how goofy of a specimen <laughs> we're working with. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I feel the same way. And yet I'm surprised. But there's a lot of people out there that don't feel that way. And I, and I get it. But it, it was a shock to me at first when, I mean, you talked to somebody, you know, a few days ago that just said, oh, I could never do that. I would never want people to know what sure. happened in my life. But yet I think our lives are better when we share them with others. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean you just force your life on people. But when we get to know not just the surface stuff with people, but what's really going on inside, that's where love begins to grow and relationships and friendships begin to grow and go to a whole deeper level. So, Yeah, maybe we, maybe in a way, 
for those people that feel that way, I can do it for them. Like, right. I, I can. By you sharing your stuff, they can just ride on that train and go, yep, I'm going to get on that car with uh, oh, yeah, Edge. Yeah. yeah, not that they have to go out and, and start telling people, but they go, okay, I've, I felt that way, and it feels good to have yeah. somebody else say it. They can both me. they can both get into your AMC Concord <laughs> and uh, go from zero to fifty six and well in twenty or thirty. I minutes. don't know how many people ever rolled in the back seat of that thing, but <laughs> if there was anybody, it was it wasn't going to be getting there any faster. Well, think. thanks, Fedge, for sharing your heart and your life with us, and I'm looking forward to more of these episodes. Yeah, appreciate it. Right on. We'll see you next time. See you. See you okay. next time.